Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everyone, to episode 69 of the Greenlight Podcast. We are joined by David Zenon. David, thank you for coming, man. I know it's been a while. Um, you know, we tried to do this back in December and then January and February, but here we are, man. Thank you. Here we are, man. Finally. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Uh, before we get into it, you know, you got to go on record. You going Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes today? <laughs> oh, man. I'm... My home's a few on it right now, man. It's tough. That's a I got uh, you can't you can't bet against the goal right now. I don't know, man. It's a it's a toss-up, but I think the D, I don't know, man. That that offensive line on the Chiefs is rough right now. And but Mahomes will figure out. He's really good with the blitz. So we'll see. Yeah, I think so. I, I lean the Chiefs as well. Um, well, cool, man. Let's jump into it. I think uh, you know, we always want to give our guests an opportunity to, you know, um Tell, tell everybody their background, their experience. So for people that don't know, tell us how you got involved in the basketball world and, you know, when you started training and coaching. Well, I started training and coaching right after graduation uh, from Liberty University. This is 2010. So, I mean, it's it's crazy. 10, 11 years ago now, it's been, it's been a crazy ride. But, uh, no, I started, I just basically was doing the whole AAU thing, you know, travel basketball, you know, working out kids in Westchester, New York, and parts of Connecticut and New Jersey. But uh, very, and a lot of people know this, you know, training back then wasn't as big as it is now, whether it was regarding the fact that Instagram wasn't what it was now, and also just kids hiring personal trainers uh, for basketball wasn't a thing. It was just more pickup, more AAU, things like that. So. Wasn't making a lot of money. <laughs> uh, it was rough, but I enjoyed the experience. You know, I, I, as I said, I got to coach travel basketball for two years, AAU two years, and I went to White Plains High School. And that's when I really started learning a lot in terms of, you know, professional workouts, professional sets. Spencer Mayfield, who's the head coach there, he was an advanced scout for the Utah Jazz and he worked on, under Jerry Sloan. So, you know, he dealt with, the best of the best, you know, so working with Carmelo and Stockton and all those guys. So I got to pick it. I got to be on a staff for uh, two and a half, three years. And I had a great time over there. Uh, took some time off, you know, from uh, from White Plains. I was coaching over at the master school. Then I went to Scarsdale, but still no, not making a lot of money uh, walking into coaching at the master school. Uh, that changed about 2014. I met a young man who uh, he hits me up. He wants to make his varsity basketball team. So he says, listen, I heard you're a good trainer. You know, I would like to make my varsity basketball team. Let's meet, you know, make a time to meet up. Uh, you know, what he didn't know is at the time I had like 475 in my account. So I was like, yeah, let's meet up. And I needed, I needed money, but I also wanted to help you know, a young man get better, but legit, you know, down last few dollars to my, to my, to my name, I, you know, I put 475 in gas in my car, uh, found a quarter in the glove compartment. <laughs> so I gave the gas attendant that quarter. And I was like, look, look, man, I need every, I need every ounce of gas I can get. I got to get to this workout. <laughs> so, uh, worked the young man out. Uh, his dad was there, you know, uh, both his mom and dad showed up actually. And, they took a liking to me, you know, we developed a great relationship, you know, we're still very close to this day, but you know, the dad was asking like, is this what you do full time? And I was like, yes, sir, it is. But my, my main goal is to work in the NBA. You know, I want to do something with NBA players or work for an organization, Knicks, Nets, I don't care. Like I just wanted to, to get my foot in the door. Uh, long story short, they introduced me to some people in the sports world. They really, you know, as I said, they took a liking to me. They helped me out. And also a friend of mine, uh, Jordan Griffin, who was 
uh, doing some broadcasting for some games for the Westchester Knicks. You know, he looked out for me as well during that time. So things have to break for you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just when you're an opportunity, you put yourself out there, things, you know, build up and they lead into bigger opportunities. But I was working the shot clock for the Westchester Knicks. And, <laughs> man, I'll tell you, I've, every time I would come into the arena or the Westchester County Center, I should say, yeah. I'd have my resume available. I'd have some business cards, you know, because you could walk in there with like a backpack. And I'd hand them out to, you know, different executives or people that were officials in the league that were walking around there because, you know, it was pretty, it was a pretty hot spot, you know, of course. So I, you know, became close with some of the players too, you know, Langston Galloway, you know, he and I developed a, a really good relationship and a friendship and, you know, pregame handshakes, all that type of stuff. The players, you know, once they get to know you and see that, you know, you're a good dude, they take a liking to you. So, man, you talk about a domino effect. So uh, when Kristaps uh, Porzingis got drafted by the Knicks, he tweeted that he needed a gym in Westchester for his brothers to play pickup. So I tweeted him right back. I said, listen, man, I got a gym. <laughs> I, I, I live in Westchester. I got a spot in White Plains. You know, you could ask Langston Galloway about me or, you know, some, some of the other guys that are around the organization just so they know that, you know, I'm, I'm a valid guy. About an hour later, I got a text back from his brother and he was like, where's this gym? So we, you know, we got the direction. I gave him the directions. And the power Twitter, of Twitter, man. That's a positive story of Twitter right there. It's great, man. It's yeah, right. Twitter worked. So he, so all three of them showed up and, you know, they, they showed up to uh, the Greenberg Community Center. You know, it was pretty funny. And uh, man, we, we just, we developed that relationship as well. Um, and, you know, the agency that KP is part of represents Serge Ibaka as well. And that was, you know, and up until that point, I was working out EuroLeague guys. I was working out G League guys. I did some stuff for pre-draft. So it wasn't like I was totally new to the game. But, you know, I got a text, you know, out of the blue one day. And this guy's like, you know, his agent's like, hey, Serge uh, needs a work. Serge needs a trainer. Are you available tomorrow to start working them out? <laughs> I was like. I, I got like 24 hours to get ready for this dude. And uh, he's like, yeah, well, well, we'll give you a tryout. We'll see if he likes you first. <laughs> so, so if he doesn't like you, you know, Hey, it is what, what it is. What was that prep? Like, I mean, what were you, what drills were you putting together? I mean, what, uh, what was that like? Uh, it was stressful. <laughs> it was stressful. Cause I wanted to make the best impression. Cause I figured if it was, if it's a tryout, you know, I may never have an opportunity to work with a guy like Serge, yep. you know, again, that's, that's the thinking that I had going into this. So, you know, I just, I did a lot of mid range stuff. I was, you know, I know that he wanted to, he was starting to shoot more threes. Like, you know, he had a decent year of uh, finishing his first year in Toronto, just getting traded from Orlando there. So, you know, I know his role is going to be, you know, to expand the floor and stretch it out. So, Shot a lot of threes. We did a lot of stuff with uh, his conditioning. You know, he was leaning out. He was changing his body. So I basically, we had a two-hour workout that first time we met. Hmm. And, you know, he was just, he's diligent. Serge is the heart, one of the hardest workers I know. Um, and I've had friends help me rebound for him. And I'm like, listen, if you're going to come help, uh, there, 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 there are things that you have to know walking into this. A, take four hours out of your day for, <laughs> for this guy. Cause we're going to lift, we're going to shoot, we're going to do conditioning and then we're going to hit the ice tub. And we've had, I've had friends legit like work out with this man. Cause Serge is like, Oh no, if you're here, you're going to do what I'm doing. <laughs> so, so, so I tell the guys, yeah, you better bring some sneakers and like, you know, it's going to be, it'll be fun, but he's a great guy. Um, works really hard, takes care of his body. So, you know, he's a professional through and through, man. Did that for that and that experience for you, obviously hopping from, I mean, you, you go from like you're helping a kid try and make his varsity team to a guy that's a certified pro for you. Did that just give you all the confidence going in? Were you confident going in like, Hey, I know I can help this guy. Or was that first workout really blossom into, I, I know I can work with any guy and kind of um, command any type of uh, any type of gym. 
Well, I had a I had an interesting conversation with a few trainers that were working with NBA guys beforehand, you know, before I started working with them full time. And one of the most important things that I was told was you have to find your voice. So when you talk to these guys, A, do your homework because they're going to smell out the BS real quick. Like, you know, if you walk in there and you're like, well, I think we could do this or maybe we could try. They, they don't, we don't want to hear, we think. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Um, and you also don't want to step on any toes in terms of the coaching staff as well. You know, they have a culture established there. These players understand exactly what they need to do within the role of the system. So my main goal is how am I going to get this guy better at his role, but then also expand his game without, you know, I, I'm not trying to have this guy walk in there and do combos. Serge is never going to be, you know, breaking guys down off the dribble too much. Um, but you have to understand what his role is going to be. So to answer your question, man, uh, it gave me the, so much confidence because to see a guy like him who is a professional perfectionist yeah. to be like, I like what we did. We're going to spend the whole summer together. And, you know, for 2017, that entire, every day, that whole summer, we did something while he was in New York, we did something for, you know, two, three hours. And, and, and there were times where like one gym that, you know, sometimes we had uh, to use other gyms. Like I took him to Manhattan college once. Nice. And the coolest thing about that was you saw both the men's and women's team, like they're standing on the baseline, like they're taking everything in. And, you know, it, it's so cool to see that because then the kids are able to pick his brain. They pick our brains like, you know what I mean? So but that was the big moment for me to say, OK, I could do this. I, I think I'm good at, at doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um I definitely wanted to uh, give you an opportunity and, and all of us to talk about Tom Konchowski. Um, you know, obviously absolute legend in the game of basketball. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the first high school college scout ever. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody did it before him. I, I think he truly was the first one. And, and obviously, you know, for people that don't know, um, you know, he's a New York guy and all the way up until now, he has been sending his report out via mail actual letter a letter in the mail um you know the hsbi report and it comes typed on a on a type on a, a typewriter um you know they just the dude no the, the, guys like him are not made anymore you know he wow. is an absolute legend and i just feel like everybody has a tom story so i wanted to give you an opportunity like if you had one or if you just want to talk about his legend go for it but um you know we're wishing <laughs> his family the best and i know it, there has been some weird you know, already kind of misinformation. And it seems like he's actually doing better than what was originally reported, which is yeah, great. I mean, yeah, he's in hospice. And, you know, um, Adam Zangori has been able to keep me abreast of the situation. He's he's still with us. And, yep. you know, he had he had a great meal last night, apparently. And, like, you know, he's telling everybody I'm here. You know, I think it's just Tom is, like, one of those guys with what you said. Like, they don't make him like that anymore. And he's – man, that the – the first time I ever met him was when I was my first year at White Plains High School. And Mike DeMello was a junior, uh, the son of Lou DeMello, legendary Rice head coach. He coached Felipe Lopez. Like, you know, Lou is New York City legend. So, you know, I'm walking in there like I know who Lou is. And Lou is like this, like, real detail-oriented, focused guy. He wasn't coaching, but, you know, you always want to make a good impression with the, the, you know, this man that you're going to meet, who's a legend. So anyway, Tom is, uh, Tom's at one of our games and he just had that, you know, you know, you had that firm handshake, man. So every single coach that walked in there, you know, coach Mayfield obviously knew him and like two of the other assistant coaches, we knew him, but this is my first time meeting him. So I'm like, yes, sir. No, sir. You know, I'm really, you know, trying to be polite, but he held on to my hand for a good, like minute and a half. And he was asking me, he stares, stares. Yes. never breaks eye contact. So the funny thing is, so he does all this and, you know, a minute and a half later, I'm like, that was actually like a pretty cool conversation. It didn't feel weird. It didn't feel awkward. You know, a lot of people don't make eye contact that long anymore. It's not, it's not personable. You know what I mean? But his senior year, Mike fractured his finger and we were playing at the county center. 
So, uh, <laughs> so Mike's hand is legit messed up. Tom, Mike has a hell of a game. Crazy great game. Tom walks up to him. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, Lord, he, this kid has a broken finger. <laughs> and, like, you know, Tom's uh, handshakes are really firm. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, you're going to set this kid back, like, two, three weeks. So I was like, <laughs> that's the only appropriate time was for a fist bump. But Mike had so much respect for Tom that he gave him the handshake anyway and was just like, man, my hand is – my hand's messed up, Coach. It was, it was a great guy. But, you know, um, Tom is a great guy. But between CYP and then – Seeing him from uh, the the Patrick School and just not he would he didn't come to our games, but we would obviously have tournaments uh, near him. Like he was just all over the place. Like it was just such a cool experience to talk to a guy who was like a walking encyclopedia. Yeah, like he could think, tell you stats from years yeah. ago. Yeah, and yeah. It was yeah. Jay Wright, I think I read a quote recently, and Jay Wright said, "There is no one that coaches college coaches respect more than him." And and I think it was Dave Odom. There's a quote from Dave Odom as well. Is that he to basketball is like what Secretariat was to horse racing, what Barbara Streisand was to singing. There's no one at that level with that experience, with that knowledge, with that um, person, just the ability to connect with people and be honest about, about guys. He never, and that was the other thing that um, I believe Wright said is he never had an agenda with anybody. He was straightforward. Oh. He was upfront. Mm -hmm. And his best interest was was all has always been the kid and 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 being open and honest and, and transparent about every player. I talked to Coach K about Tom. Well, it was just it was it was just a topic of conversation that came up. Um, but you know, we were just talking about evaluating uh, player development, but how do you evaluate players for for you know training and just even just recruiting thing like just I just want to pick coach's brain, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, he said, let me tell you something about Tom. And then for the next, like, five minutes, he told me different, like, evaluations that, like, came, like, the direct conversations they had um, about a guy. And he was like, he was never wrong. Like, it was, it's been crazy. Like, I've been coaching for, you know, so many years. And this dude is just like, no, I'm going to call it how I see it. This kid is not cut out for yada, yada, yada. And, it, and it's good because he saved a lot of kids' careers because of that, you know? There's a lot of kids who, who didn't go to the wrong situations. And, you know, I mean, Russ Smith is a great example of that. You know, Russ is, man, you know, Tom, Tom went above and beyond for Russ. And, like, you know, Russ will tell you that too. I mean, he, he posted that on his Instagram. But even if you just have a conversation with him, we all love Tom, man. So I hope he, you know, I hope he pulls through and, you know, was able to, to be with us for a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so t tell us about the Patrick School. How did that opportunity come about? I know you mentioned kind of how you got your start all those years ago up in Westchester, but how did uh, how did the opportunity with the Patrick School come about? Um, well, we had, and I, so there's a bunch of different ways that this kind of came about, <laughs> but it, it just kind of, the domino effect, you know, Jonathan Kaminga was going to, uh, he transferred to the Patrick school and I've known Jonathan since he was 13 years old, 14 years old when he got to the States, you know, I coached his older brother, uh, Joel over at, uh, at CYP and then, you know, worked him out before he left for uh, UNLV. So I've known John for a while and, you know, just, you know, keeping in touch with John and just trying to do as much with him as possible to help him out. But Kyrie's uh, right-hand man that played at Duke, Josh Hairston, and Kyrie, you know, they, they were expanding the staff and they tried to put together this, you know, great group of guys that were trying to help the kids in terms of player development, but also coaching. So, you know, you had Tiny Morton came in that year. I came in that year. Like, it was really good basketball minds that were already added to a pretty good staff. So, Josh, you know, Josh and I talked and he was just like, how would you feel about, you know, doing the whole training thing for the guys? Like, you know, being the player development coach for them. I was like, hell yeah, you know, this is a great, a great opportunity to help besides John, other kids that were there that I knew of or knew to develop them and have them have these opportunities to go high major D1. And now John's a pro, you know what I mean? Like he's in the NBA pipeline. So it's kind of, it's crazy to see how that all came into place. So Josh, 
uh, Josh approached me with the opportunity and I jumped on it. And uh, I went from player development to the trainer to an assistant coach, <laughs> just like, hey, the kids are responding to you. They like you, but we're going to need you here every day. I was like, this is a trek, but because <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not living, I don't live in Jersey. So this is like, it wasn't easy, but it was worth it, man. It was a pretty good, it was a pretty good season. Love it. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Um, so we've talked a ton about uh, New York City high school hoops, and everybody has an opinion on it and, and where it's at right now. There's been talks in the last 10 years. So you, I mean, you're, per, you're like the guy to talk to, right? I mean, you there's been talks that there's been a decline um, and how I always frame it is that the top one or top five or top 10%, whatever percentage you want to put on for like the elite players and the best high schools, like there's, there's no decline. Those dudes can compete with anybody in the country, anybody all over the world. And we see it all the time. We got kids going to Duke, Kentucky, Carolina. I mean, they, we got the top 1%, no doubt. I think that bottom 99 though, is where New York city has suffered in my opinion, because I think all the resources, all the best coaches, all the focus goes to the top and people don't necessarily want to kind of start from the bottom per se and kind of work their way up. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, is there a decline? Is it overblown? Has basketball really been good all over the country and it just wasn't covered like it was in the eighties and nineties in New York city. Maybe that's it. You know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I think the growth of social media has helped highlight basketball throughout the world, period, not just America. I mean, we had we had a kid at the Patrick School last year, Chris Zhao. He came from China. Never heard of this kid in my life. You know, seven foot one, shoots the three, has handle, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, where the hell have you been? Like, what, where, where did you come from? And he's like, you know, I'm from a small, you know, I'm, I'm from China. I don't, whatever. So anyway, he learned that game. He learned his game through watching social media. So I, I think the, the expansion of the game is through that, but to highlight New York city and just New York as a whole, because the funny thing is coaching, seeing the, seeing the drop of talent, in terms of what kids can do and where they're from. You know, I got to coach at Scarsdale for one year and I was, you know, helping my friend Joe Emilio, who's the head coach there now. I want, we wanted to establish a culture, a player development program where same thing, like a pipeline, like you bring kids through up different programs in the area. And uh, the next year I was at the Patrick school and it was night and day but it's not a knock towards the coaching. It's just because these kids that are in the public school areas in Westchester section one, or even some parts of New York city, they have just different resources where they're just like, this isn't my way out. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. now you may have certain circumstances in which Stepanak has a McDonald's all American in RJ Davis. And then another one in uh, AJ Griffin now. And you know, it's it's crazy to see how both those kids are local products. Yep. You know, Alan Griffin, yep. you know, killing it up at Syracuse. We just had Obi Toppin, you know, get drafted. Eric Pascal, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you're talking about like this elite crop of talent from one area in New York that's not even in the city. Yeah. <laughs> so those, but a lot of those kids didn't stay. Matter of fact, no, none of them stayed in the public school system. Yeah. You know, they all ended up going to, you know, a prep school or, you know, the, a private school in Stepanak. Yep. But the reason why I say that is, yeah, it's 
all the resources are going to those schools that are going to bring money back in for those programs. And we just, you just got to call it, you know, call it like it is. Certain programs that used to be elite have changed because a lot of those kids leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mount Vernon is always going to be good because Bob Cimino is a phenomenal coach. One of the greatest high school coaches ever. Those kids understand the culture and those kids are going to follow through with the culture, but it's not the Mount Vernon of when I played. Oh, no, no, no. Like <laughs> you, you can guarantee Mount Vernon was kicking out four to five division one guys every year, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just, so you just have to look at it for what it is and just see it for face value. Kids are going to different schools and then that gets, that kind of get lost in the whole process because people think, Oh, well, that kid came from, you know, whatever school in Georgia or whatever. But no, he's a New York City product. Yeah. You know, a New York City kid. Yep. So that kind of gets lost in the whole thing. So the talent, it's it's not good basketball a lot of the times. We, we kind of have had IG lose the, the basics, you know, like the fundamentals aren't the first thing that are taught a lot now, you know. Kids work on a lot of step backs. Kids work on a lot of threes. And not that you don't need that, but it's different from when, you know, yeah. back in the day, you're talking about guys. The first thing you do when you walk into a gym, you do form shooting and footwork. Yeah. Then you go into everything else. Now, I've seen kids in my local gym just walk in and the first thing is they chuck up a three in slides. And it's infuriating. Yeah. But I can't be the, you know, I can't be the old man, you know, get off my lawn and like... <laughs> you know, get down there and do some form shooting because there it's just not going to happen. So I think that, that that's coming to play, but man, I mean, RJ Davis and uh, Andres at uh, Illinois and I mean, Kofi, Illinois. I mean, we, yeah. New York city has got great talent. Musa at Memphis. I mean, yeah, it hasn't fallen off. I think just kids are looking at the fact that they can go elsewhere and not just for prep school, but also for college, you know, you're, I think the highlight of New York City basketball back in the 80s was the fact that all those local kids were going to St. John's. Yeah, they were they were in the backyard. You know what I mean? So they were going to go to St. John's. They were going to go to Pitt. They were going to go to like these big East schools that, you know, had those those rivalries and whatnot. But now kids are like, um, oh, I'm New York. City. I mean, Scotty, Scotty Lewis went to uh, uh, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't blame them. Um, but <laughs> but you've been to Gainesville, I don't blame him at all. And, I, I, I and spent a lot of time, lot of time in Gainesville. <laughs> you're one Shamori Ponds that stays. You've got your the Cole Anthony's. You've got the Scotty Lewis's that are, are going to branch out. It's like there. I mean, you can't. Everyone can't just stay there. And and obviously, like you said, when you go on these visits, you go to these different campuses and you see once again circling back the resources that are there. It's 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 a new ball game. Man, I I'm a Duke fan through and through. But I took a tour around UNC. I have some guys that I work out or worked out from UNC. Man, yes, no, I was like, listen, I, it's gorgeous. The campus is gorgeous. But then when you meet Coach Williams, I mean, he's he's so charismatic. And then that whole room that you walk into, you see nothing but these Jordans on, and it's just like, oh, I'd commit here too. <laughs> like I just, it's it's crazy, man. But I think the fact that those kids aren't going to go to the St. John's is of the world. Like as of right now, I think the culture is changing in St. John's, but the local kids aren't trying to stay local. You know, they, they realize I could get elsewhere going further away. Yeah. And kind of on that same topic, you, you talked to obviously social media and kids and how they're developing these days and kind of jumping into the training world. It's something we've talked about a lot on the pod and just the current state of the training world, whether it's, for Instagram views, whether it's helping kids, what is your current thoughts about whether it's for the youth level at the college level, the professional level, just where we are, what we've grown into in terms of training and, and basketball? It drives me nuts that kids uh, eighth grade and younger are getting ranked. Drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to hear um, my son is the third best fifth grader in the country. I, I don't want to hear it. I just, it, it, no. Um, we have to, we have to find a way 
that as a basketball community and culture that we all crush that not not the parents because it's natural for the parents to get excited about their kid being successful in fifth grade but the services that actually do that we have to crush them i don't know what services they are but we need i don't know how we do it but somebody has to come out and be like yo this is bogus i think it's it's a fine line to as much as I don't like it, I see where they're, what they're trying to do in terms of highlighting kids for the next quote unquote level, whether it be like seventh and eighth graders, I could understand it. Now, fourth, fifth and sixth, I don't because there's no way for guys to say this kid when he's in fifth grade is going to grow or he's going to develop or he's going to do this with his skill set. Everybody changes. And then some kids just fall out of love with the sport you know there there are guys that just say no I'd rather play baseball and I'm just going to put my energy towards that you know but so it's hard to it's it's hard to do that and right now the man parents are so engrossed in that product that it's not gonna stop it is what it is parents love the fact that my child is doing this and you should be proud of your child I'm not knocking that I just think that your son is ranked, great. Then let's keep it moving. We're not going to keep updating rankings for fifth graders because how often are we going to watch? Okay, how often are we going to watch fifth graders that are going to play against certain defenses that they're going to see when they go to these big D1 schools? Never. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall in love with that process. But the IG training thing, I have no issue with people highlighting what they do with their players because you, some people do that because they, you got to make ends meet. Um, I'm not one that I don't post barely anything with any of my pro guys, unless they are the ones to bring it up or they're the ones to say, you know, Hey, let's, let's record or let's do this because I'm trying to show, you know, show that I'm working on whatever. Cool. Um, I've recorded some stuff from my own personal like evaluations. Like if I'm going to go back and see what they did during a game and this way we could kind of fix things. Um, So we'll do that, but I don't post every day. I don't, I don't do that type of stuff, but the guys that do they're you know, we all have brands, you know, they, they, they built themselves up into great brands and that's great. You know, that's how they make their living. So personally, it's not my cup of tea. I'm a little bit closer to the vest. Uh, I'm going to start doing more of it, but not everyday type of thing. And then the kids that I do post, I mean, those who follow me on Twitter, you know, they're, they're kids that are, you know, either being recruited or, you know, they're trying to showcase their, their stuff. So, you know, I'll do that just to kind of get them some pub and show some love. So I have no issue with it. I think it's a great way to promote yourself, but then also to show the brand. I do think, though, it's a dangerous thing to continuously show the same thing where I know one trainer, you know, I know one trainer may focus on ball handling and that's his specialty. And great. You know, you're 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 a great. You know, guy to go to if I want to get my handles right, but you're not going to be my shooting coach. You know, you're not going to be the guy that is going to be the player development coach you're a skills coach you know there's a difference between a skills coach and a player development coach so that that's something that you got to teeter you know it's a pretty dangerous game to play and and when you showcase the same thing over and over again it kind of gets diluted and you don't want guys to become a one-trick pony for for your type of training yeah um Sticking on the social media stuff and the trainers, you know, we've we've all seen some public uh, spats between, you know, some of the biggest trainers in the NBA. Um, what what is it like in terms of? I mean, I, you know, from from our perspective, we view you as like one of the guys, man, like one of the elite trainers out there. I mean, do you guys talk to each other? Is it very much like I'm in my lane and it's like respect from afar? Like, what what is are there are there are there meetings? Are there huddle ups? Are you guys doing zooms? Like, do you guys talk at all? Like the, the big trainers out there, or is it very much like, yeah, I'll see you when I see you. No, guys talk. Um, I have no issue with guys. Like I have no issue with trainers and there are guys who 
I don't know. And you know what the thing is? Like, whenever I see things that are public, I see it for what it, it I see for the face value. I see what's going on. You know, I never dive into and ask one guy, yo, are you good? Like, what's going on? Like, we're grown men. So you guys are going to handle it the way that you need to see fit. And if it's something where it's like, you know, nobody's out here, you know, these guys that have issues with each other and there have been a number of trainers that have had issues, not just like the big names. We're talking like there could be local guys, you know, that if you have an issue, then, you know, converse about it, talk about it, you know, move on. But we've, you know, guys speak, but not like, you know, an, an everyday text kind of thing. You know, you may get a DM or, or you may see this, you know, you may see the guy in the same gym, you know, cause there, there are times where players, I mean, I've Serge has worked with several other guys. It's not like I'm just like his primary guy. Like I'm not going to travel with him everywhere he goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he has a guy that's from Spain. He has a guy that he sees in LA. He has a guy that, you know, he'll, um, when he was in uh, uh, Toronto, you know, if, if I'm not available, cool. You know, you got to work to get better. Like who that's selfish of me to be like, Oh, well, if I'm not around, you're not going to work with (laughs) such and such. Like that's stupid. You know, it's dumb. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't get involved with the, the, the spats with these dudes, man. I mean, but they do talk, you know, guys do talk. We all know each other. I mean, it's, you, you're going to run across each other because you're dealing with the same players on the same team. So yeah, yeah. it's going to happen. Oh yeah. No, no doubt. And wrapping things up, I know sticking obviously with the NBA kind of side of things as well. Um, we've got obviously college hoops is going on right now. We had the draft at a crazy time. One, what are your thoughts so far on college hoops this season? Just in general, are there any guys you've been really impressed with, whether you've worked with them, whether you've seen them from afar, and then also on the draft side, kind of transition to the NBA, what your thoughts on any of the guys that were selected, any surprise, anyone that stood out to you of the rookies right now that maybe over exceeded expectations, um, kind of just your, your general thoughts on, on, on hoops just going on in, uh, in the current times. Yeah, man. Um, I'll start at, well, the college hoop scenes, man, it's interesting. This, you know, no fans. And I was talking to some friends last night that, you know, that played at Duke. And not having the Cameron Crazies there, it's a different experience, the, the, the different matchups. It's just, it's just different altogether, man. So, you know, when people say that it's kind of, it's a down year for them, sure. You know, Duke is a young team that they're figuring it out. And like coach is great at what he does. So he's going to, he's going to get those guys lined up. I mean, they've only been able to play, uh, 13, 14 games. So, yeah. you know, but at this point of the, the season, if it was a normal year, you know, you're talking about close to 20 games in, you know, you, you know, those five extra games make a world of difference oh, yeah. with how kids are going to be able to adjust to certain matchups and different things like that. But uh, to answer your question now, there have been some guys that highlight, you know, that have highlighted the season so far. I mean, obviously Gonzaga, you know, they, they that's a machine. <laughs> and like they're they're crazy good and like I was you know you want to talk about balance I mean they have four guys that are in double figures you know Suggs is obviously this crazy talent he's tremendous but Chris Burt I think he's leading the team in scoring like yep. close to 20, per, 20 points per game yep. and I mean four guys double figures their efficiency ratings to the roof and they have like I think they also have four guys that lead different categories like major statistical categories for the team so it's kind of it's it's really cool to see them play uh Timmy's great too oh, man uh, they had the transfer from Florida and Emhart I mean they got a great squad man so it's they they look like a machine they're 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 looking pretty good but Jared Butler is another guy that I really like from from Baylor and a kid that is under the radar because I think he leads Butler in assists but also he's like the third leading scorer is Mitchell yeah and he, he's caught me by surprise I didn't get to watch Butler a lot last year and then even seeing them this year I saw them once or twice but just watching them be able to play off of each other you know you're 
the big knock against them in the past has been that they've been athletic and that they really couldn't shoot and like, you know, create their shot and offensively, you know, just kind of do their thing. But coach Drew has them, they can shoot, they can score <laughs> like they, and they're doing a great job defensively too. So I, I think those two are the best team in the country and deserve it. So I think they're ranked one and two too. So it's kind yeah. of, yeah. And it's kind of they're fun. supposed to play each other. And that's, it's like, well, one only games that got canceled of, I think of Gonzaga's seasons of our and, and of Baylor's. I mean, they're yeah, 17 and 0 for Baylor, and I believe probably the same for same for yeah, 18 and 0 for Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, we see it down the line. I, I think I think there's definitely there's that gap, like that one and two there, and then there's probably a gap between. But there's just so much talent across the board across both. Of yeah, teams. I think like when you talk about the gap, like Michigan is still really really good. I think you you look at Dickinson, who's just a man child, and he's done so much in the post, but. Very impressive. You know, you're, you're also talking about guys like Smith, Mike Smith. I've trained Mike Smith and, uh, you know, because he was at Columbia. And the, the one thing that a lot of people were concerned about is like, oh, well, you're going from the Ivy to the Big Ten. Like, you know, it's big boy basketball now. Like, look, listen, Mike is built differently. That's a tough kid. And also just knowing personal stories and experiences with, you know, he trains with Jimmy Butler in the offseason. Like that's his, you know, that's his mentor. So Jimmy has him live with him, you know, train with him, wakes him up at three in the morning. Is like, you know, get your ass out of bed. We're going to work out <laughs> like at three 30, like he's tough. Um, so that, that team is actually one of those teams that I'm keeping my eye on. Illinois is one of my dark horses to make the final four. I like them. I know that I, them, I still love them. I know, I know that they're in the top 25, but, Man, when they played, when the first time I got to watch them was against the was against Duke. Yeah. But Kofi, I've known Kofi since he was a kid, but he's a beast. And then like, oh, um, the Sunmu, the the point guard. So that, he's he's phenomenal. And like Andres is playing off of him really well. Like their guard play is really really good, and they do a great job with high low. They have bigs that could bruise like. You know, the, the big thing, the big thing I think people are, are also losing sight of is the fact that they're, they're not going to be big fans, big crowds for these tournament games. It's just a matter of how you're matching up and they're in the same little bubble area. You know, one and done, there's a lot that goes into those type of games, right? And when you're yeah. talking about dudes that can run a high-low set, with Illinois that run a really good high-low set and Kofi takes up so much space with the, his ability to screen and he rolls to the rim. Yep. I mean, you're talking about a game that once it slows down, their point guards are able to break guys off the dribble without screens. Once you use those screens and then you're able to have a pick and pop with the, their four, that's an issue, man. So that's like one of those dark horses that I have. And then my other dark horse is actually Drake. Dang. Because okay. they've been, they've been, they haven't had a difficult schedule by the terms of playing ranked teams, but that's the most, I mean, that's the most balanced team, quote unquote, most balanced team in the country. You're talking about guys who, I think they have three guys who score in double digits, but then they have the next seven who score four and higher. Yep. So, I mean, it adds up. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like one of those things where it's like consistent play from everybody. And their field goal percentage is really good. They play really good defense. They just, they, it's like a well-oiled machine. And like, you know, Penn is a great distributor. I think he's averaging like close to like six, like six assists per game, something like that. Six or seven assists per game. Uh, Penn, uh, like point, whatever, six point something or 5.6, whatever he is. But the way he gets his assists is what's impressing me is the fact that everybody's getting a piece of the pie. It's not like their leading scorer. I forget his name in uh, Hemphill. Hemphill. Yeah. Shanquan Hemphill. Yep. Hemphill. I think he's at, what is he doing? Like 14 a game, 13, something 14 like a game. That. Yeah. Something like that. So, but he's not taking over the game in terms of, I need to put up every shot. No, everybody's touching the rock. Everybody has an opportunity to, to be able to, they run, you know, great rim running wide and deep. They, they do really good job with that. So like he scores when he needs to score. It's not like he has to score. 
So it's, it's a really balanced team. I like them a lot. So those, those are the four teams that I've been focusing on the most once, once Drake got to like seven and oh, and I, I got to watch them play. Um, it was like Illinois, Illinois state. Yeah. I was like, yeah, th- this is valid. I like them. They're pretty They've good. They got a big one. I mean, they're, they're 18 and oh, they've got, and they're in Missouri Valley is doing, we talked about last week, Paul, the back to back, they're playing like the Saturday, Sunday. So they play, Loyola Chicago is also, I think, undefeated in the in the conference. Saturday, the 13th and the 14th, they'll play two back-to-backs against Loyola Chicago, which will probably be for the conference. So those are that's in, that's an absolute marquee match. I think Loyola Chicago is like 13th in Ken Palm right now. Um, they're, I mean, they're 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 an awesome team. Like you said, they're 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 balanced. And I think they started the season not only for the gambling people to listen. They covered, I think, every single one of their th- first like 14 or 15 games. It's like not only are they winning, they're covering the spread every single time. We missed that opportunity. <laughs> Dang. Um, hey, I want I want to get you out of um, here on this too because you deal with some special people on Twitter, man, and I'm talking about Knicks fans. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the Knicks this year? I, you know, I think they're playing pretty well. They got a, a lot of talent, and in it, from my perspective, like I'm not a Knicks fan, just an NBA guy, just love watching it, but it certainly feels different than it has in years past where, you know, 25, 30 games in, sometimes Knicks fans are like, I mean, the season's over. What, let's just talk about next year. Who are we trading for? And that's not the case at all. Um, but man, no. you, I always look at your mentions and my goodness, you got some special, <laughs> so good for you for dealing with that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't know that it turned into, I didn't, I turned into one of the Knicks like, Twitter guys, apparently, like I turned into like this, like I need to be on. Well, I think it, it happened when I went on the Knicks fans TV and I I'm a Knicks fan. I grew up a Knicks fan. I stopped, you know, once I started working with players throughout the league, though, I stopped being just strictly a Knicks fan. And like I just became a, an NBA fan of the game. I'm not trying to. This is how I make my living. This is what I do. I deal with players throughout the league, and I'm not trying to be like one of those homers. Uh, but that being said, it's it's crazy. I you know I tweeted something yesterday in regards to Peyton being able to play. Uh, you know he defended the hammer action that Portland runs, and, and it's not a traditional hammer set. Yeah, they you know they kind of do the Iverson cut for Dame. And then they want to open up for whether it's hood lifting or whether it's um, uh, Simmons. So I, I'm just like, man, this guy's playing it pretty well. I could see why Tibbs is, you know, doing the substitute, you know, defense for offense kind of thing with quickly. And then, you know, taking him out and then bringing him back. I get it. So that one tweet or me tweeting something about Mitchell, you know, us doing our workouts and, you know, he shoots a three and it's just like, he's never going to do that in the game. And like, you know, I told you he wasn't going to do it. Like, you know, I, I, I've gotten like people like telling me that I'm terrible at my job because he hasn't shot a three this year. And I'm like, well, he hasn't been asked to, <laughs> he doesn't have to like, I, so, but I don't waste my time with that, but it kind of turned into that just because of the fact that I gave my insight on the Knicks and, the Knicks are a lightning rod of a team. Yeah. You know, once you bring up anything like that, and people, if you see my tweets or if you see my, uh, or you talk to me on my Instagram live, like I talk about all all the teams in the league. You know, I'm just like looking at the game as a fan and telling people like, oh, this is what you should be looking for with floppy or zipper or something. Yeah. And this way, you know, fans could interact with me, but then also they could also learn you know, the game, just like I'm learning the game. I'm what still- those terms are that most of those people probably like that are criticizing you for working on different parts of guys game. They couldn't even tell you what like an elevator screen is versus a hammer. Yeah, it's, it's a even if, yeah. I mean, even if it was something like I could say it's basic, like an elevator screen, I'd be like, listen, if you told me, if you could tell me the fact that Portland had four opportunities in the fourth quarter that when they ran, they ran at, they hedged, quickly every time that he was on the left side of the floor and that became an issue for the offense well well, the the Knicks were up 10 points when quickly was taken out it's because he was scoring he did no no no. I'm not asking about contested threes that he took I know he hit two threes over Melo at the top of the key great but if you want to make life easier for yourself (laughs) 
<laughs> you kind of have to go back to what was working in the beginning. So that's just kind of like my mindset with that. And like, now it's like, you know, I, I was big on Tyrese Halliburton yeah. last year and I'm, I'm happy that the Knicks took Obi and quickly. I'm not that I'm not saying anything about Tyrese in terms of, I wish that the Knicks took him. I'm just saying it. It's because you have so many people out there who say, He's not going to be a good player because of, oh, well, his shot is funky. Um, I don't care about his shot. I care about X, Y, and Z with his physical tools, the way he's able to read the floor, and taking advantage of the fact that the, the, the spacing in college is so much smaller. Once he becomes an, an NBA player, he's going to be a beast. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. He's not exciting. All right, man, we'll see. And so far, so good. So I'm going <laughs> to... You know, I, I just want to bring attention to it. It's not like I'm out here trying to criticize people. Yeah. I just want to, I like talking, I like talking hoops, man. I'm, I'm just, I've had UNC fans in my DMs today. Like, you know, uh, I'm your sure. boy is terrible. And it's funny. I mean, listen, I'm happy with it because I get to interact with people and like, you know, we get to talk shop, but you know, they've been respectful. They're not crossing the line. Once you get, once you get disrespectful, then, then we got an issue. I'm going to have to block you, but <laughs> you know. Yep. I'm not arguing on this side, man. We're going to have some fun. Yeah. Well, listen, man, we really appreciate it. Um, last thing is just, you know, where, where can everybody follow you and interact? What's, what's the handles. And, uh, and after that, man, we'll, we'll let you go, but really appreciate you coming on, David. This was great. No, nah, man, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, Twitter handle is David Xenon one, the number one. Uh, and then Instagram is David Mark Xenon. I, I'm pretty simple. You know, there's no, no underscores, no hashtags, no nothing. You just just type in my name, you'll find me. Uh, shoot me a shoot me a message, a DM, a mention, anything. I do my best to to get back to people if I can. Love it. Thank you again, David. Appreciate it, man. And uh, good luck if you're betting tonight. We got no clue what's gonna happen, but nah, I don't. I'm not betting, man. I'm 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 having some wings. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm chilling. I'm watching the game. Nah, no betting on this end, brother. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game. Talk to you soon. All right, likewise, guys. Thank you. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors were closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.